Oh, of course it does. Good morning. Happy Saturday. Welcome to another edition of the Northland Sports Page. I probably kept that music a little loud for a little long, but part of the joy I get from that song is just watching Dave Cook enjoy it. It is Brian Prudhomme. It is Dave Cook. It is Steve Patosha. All of my peeps are here. Speaking of peeps, happy Easter weekend. Speaking of peeps, Dave Cook is sheepishly grinning, but you've got some peeps-related news to start the day with. You're going to get me divorced, Brian. So, That's okay. We'll eventually get an attorney to sponsor the show, too. Yeah, outstanding. <laughs> um, yeah, no, uh, Fairlawn Mansion today has uh, the peep show where you have, it's the Easter Which, let's show. clarify Wait, that quickly. For, it, no, the, the marshmallow bunnies <laughs> and stuff. Yeah, so uh, with the, uh, for, for kids over at, uh, for kids over at Fairlawn today, and um, yeah, Dana, Dana might be there. And she's uh she's a people holic as you know. Over. But if you're so, looking for Dana, you good might not luck see her. finding her. Yep, yep. Yes. So we're gonna leave it there, Brian. I'm not going any further. I was gonna say that. I have a twins quarter zip that looks a little bit like a Where's Waldo shirt, so it's supposed to be good luck finding me, but that's relatively easy. Finding Dana today at Fairlawn could be a challenge. Yeah, but I think everybody's coming. I think the whole fam is coming. I think uh yeah, we might have some video cameras. Like it'll be a blast. And Steve Patosha is back with us, Duluth East hockey coach. But there's another notch in the list of titles to add at Duluth East. So what a weekend to have you. Breaking news for you, too. Oh, I, it's, I, I'm just an assistant. I'm a helper but on still, the golf team. That's, you are on a coaching staff. <laughs> that's true. But I would not call myself a golf coach. I'm, I'm an assistant golf coach. Mike Swanson is the man in charge, and he uh, he is all the responsibility. Oh, Swanee's a good guy. Swanee's the best. We coached yep. hockey together yeah. at Marshall. Swanee's a great guy. So. Well, and here's my first discussion with Steve about coaching golf earlier this week. First of all, it started in a text thread, and when he told me what he was doing, he told me on April 2nd, and my response was, okay, April Fool's was yesterday. You're doing what? Yeah. And then when he <laughs> you know, started talking about clarifying his duties, what did you call yourself, a van driver? Yeah, I'm a van driver. I'll pass out some beef jerky here and there, and you know, talking to Caitlin Zenner, the uh, the the girls' golf coach, also right. coaches over at, at UWS. UWS. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I I said, you know, I'm I'm not not much of a uh, of a golfer myself, and uh, and she said that her high school golf coach just handed out beef jerky and drove the van. So perfect. Um, yeah, right up my alley. So, so your list of responsibilities remember, has been clarified I, and confirmed. Exactly. I will be there as a uh, to hopefully be a positive influence to cheer them on and. Uh, Remember now, golf has an etiquette, Steve. You can't pass that. Oh, I you do golf. I, I, break the I love playing golf, despite your guys' opinion of the game. I know, or, or as, what do you activity. call it? An activity? Yeah. Yeah. It's a hobby, yes. <laughs> because too many athletes say, when my season is over, I can't wait to go and do some golfing. So to me, it seems like a bit of a downgrade. When the major sports are done, they can't wait to go golf. That just seems weird. Mm-hmm. Now, I think if you play it, you love it. I don't, I, and that's yeah, part of the problem. However, my theory on that loses merit because I don't skate at all. And ice hockey is something I love. Right, but but you make fun of me because I like professional wrestling. So, I mean, if, if you like it, you'll now, like it. Now, that's not fair because I don't make fun of you about that because I like movies, too. Well, but that <laughs> scripted television is go. right up my and, alley. And you don't mind being outside. Reality TV is huge. It has been for right. 30 years. Oh, God, here we go. <laughs> Monday Night Raw was the original Survivor. Actually, that's not false. <laughs> so we're joking around, but there's no joking. It is Masters weekend, so... Should we be excited? Because casuals will be, because Tiger at least moments ago made history and made the cut. So people that don't like golf but still know it know one guy at least. Yeah, I, th- I think that anytime Tiger does something uh, positive on the golf course, it's good for the game. People know who Tiger Woods is, so if he succeeds, eyes go to the game. So who gets the responsibility to be the next one? Because I kind of roll my eyes at it because you know his best days are probably behind him. I say probably because... He surprised us before, but, you know, watching yesterday for a little bit in the morning, and yes, I did that, 
but I saw a split screen of, you know, here's our current leader and here's what Tiger's doing. I'm going, wait a minute. That's opposite ends of the leaderboard. Why are we doing this? It's like if every time Mike Trout hit a home run, they still went to Barry Bonds sitting on his couch. Yeah. What? Or so, every time somebody threw a ball at 100 miles an hour, they went to Nolan Ryan. Right. Or if somebody put him on base, like with a walk, they went to Nolan So Ryan. maybe, Dave, the best way to ask that question is, how will golf live after Tiger Woods? Yeah, uh, like it or not, that might be how it happens because they kind of quartered the market on younger players. So you were watching the Masters, Steve, as we were preparing for the show. Are we getting coaching pointers or you were starting to say you like it more than you lead on in present Steve company yelling at the screen right. I can see it now <laughs> no, I know I I think it's it's a beautiful golf course and the tradition and the history yeah. and you know I, I it's it's just it's one of those weekends that I just really enjoyed and, and I think really a lot of it has to do with the fact that you look outside and it's cold and snowy and, and yeah you know and although the weekend in Augusta this weekend, it's probably been nicer in Minneapolis. Than I was going to say the weather's been, been a problem, there. hence why round two is still going. But I think that's why, you know, the Masters in the spring is such a such a, a fun thing to watch or look forward to. I think the Masters in the spring is very similar to like the Kentucky Derby or the Indianapolis 500. You don't have to necessarily like horse racing or auto racing to know you know that particular or the right. Daytona 500 maybe. You, those we could do an opening things. topic on that. We haven't yet, but... The question could actually be, what's a sport that you really don't care about, but an event within that sport that you would absolutely go to? Yeah. Because the Masters, for me, that would be on there, and the weather would be a big factor because as I'm staring at 35 and they're sitting in 75, I'm going. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. Right. I mean, I think you throw the Daytona 500 in there. You know I mean? Yeah. Not that NASCAR doesn't have a huge following, yeah. but for me, like... I'd, I'd go 150,000 people watching a watching the race. Just the atmosphere would be great. It's like uh, later we were go- I was going to bring up the stuff I watched on the hooker kid, the quarterback from Tennessee. Again, boy, he's throwing peep show and hooker in the first six watch, minutes today. Just watch. Wow. The, uh, watch some of the highlights and the crowd reaction in Tennessee when he throws a touchdown. Like I've said, I want to be there someday for a football game. I was going to say, Daytona 500 is the same thing. I'd love just to be there to soak it in. Absolutely. So we did find our way to an opening topic using Masters and going back to our meat and potatoes love of the big four sports. So we'll do that today. Before we do anything, we can't do anything without our great sponsors. That's right. And we get to add one today, Brian. We do. Congratulations, Dave Cook, on pulling another one in. Yes. Arola Architecture Studios, the OG, right? That's the original that's kept us going through thick and thin. Um, Thank you to Arola Architecture Studio. Thanks, Ryan. Uh, Hoops Brewing, OAR Holdings, Sammy's Pizza, Advantage Emblem and Screen Printing, Justin May at Messina and Associates, Avenue 45, The Blackwoods Group, uh, Mount Royal Bottle Shop, Kohler Toyota and Kohler Hyundai, Stewart's Bike Sports and Trophies, The Incline Station, Famous Dave's, Brian, and now we get to talk about Construct Tomorrow, which is an event on the 26th of uh, April down at the deck in the evening, 4 to 5.30, where if you're interested in a career in the construction trades, it's a hands-on event. If you want to be a carpenter, go down and pound some nails. If you want to be a plumber, go down and do some plumbing stuff. But it, you get a chance to talk to the contractors who'd hire you. The union trades are there. Uh, if you're interested in that kind of career, construct tomorrow on the evening of the 26th. All right, so the evening of the 26th is when? The where is? Yeah, at the deck, free okay. parking. Uh, and the 26th, I believe, is Wednesday. So Or the Tuesday. It's one of those two. It's a weekday. And the deck is it going is to become day. a very busy place in 2024 as well because yeah. a big week, Duluth will have arena football, summer of 2024. Dave, you like to tease me about the Rolodex that my phone contacts have right. become. Just became a Heisman. I got to add Tim Brown to that list today. We'll talk to him a little after 11 today. 
I have to remember to rein it in to the arena football topic for the local fans because there's part of me that wants to talk about the Raiders, wants to talk about you know everything that he's done both as a college player and an NFL player. But now he's a league commissioner, so it's it's just going to be a different vibe. But I'm excited to talk to him today. Yeah, no, I think that I think that Tim Allen is is or Tim Brown is one of those guys who. Um, uh, one of those, I got <laughs> this. Gonna Brown, say, sorry, I'm going to start the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's um, wow, it's cool time. Uh, Tim Tim Brown being uh, on the uh, show, uh, having somebody with that much football royalty in him, uh, you know, from Notre Dame to the Raiders and so on and so forth. Now, as a commissioner, like he's done everything, Brian. Last man standing, home improvements. <laughs> he's magnificent. Oh, Saves the clause, right? <laughs> I can't tell him that the Santa Claus is actually one of the rare movies Joe in the Dirt. theater that I walked out on. So I won't lead with that. But that was one of your I best. I don't think Tim Brown's going to care. Right. <laughs> Maybe I can talk about that. That'll be very interesting. So again, this plays into the Masters weekend theme perfectly as Dave tries to basically recollect. He's a good 10 feet from his microphone right now. But it is Masters weekend. We are the Northland Sports Page. We try to be sports-wise a master of all trades but we're really jack-of-all-trades, master of none, and we proved it right now. So let's go and rein Dave back in and get to our master's pun topic today. We you talked sure you about you to be a part of this today? <laughs> yes. Wow, yes. that was bad. We'll, we'll just call you Dave Thomas, and we'll ask you about Wendy's Burgers for the rest of the show. <laughs> no, I, I have to believe that's a, probably a punishment worth time. <laughs> there you go. Wow. So in, instead, what we're going to do on Master's Weekend, we're going to incorporate the big four because those are the sports that we tend to cover the hardest. And we came up with this actually last week, Dave, 10 minutes after the show, and said, well, we got to do something masters. But who are the masterminds or the masters of the big four teams in Minnesota? Yeah, because there are people, when you think about that team, uh, you know, that's the name you come up with. And sometimes it's players, sometimes it's owners, sometimes it's coaches. It could be pretty much anybody. Right. Um, but you think about not just... Uh, you know, like a controlling, almost a controlling. And when we talk about master in this case, we're talking about like a ship captain, right? We're right. talking about the person who is the lead face, the lead person when you think about that team. Well, and that's really the difficult part. I think you shed some light on it just now, but it really does come down to how do you define the master? Because, yeah. you know, we could say with the wild, most things that Bill Guerin has had his hands in have turned to gold, but not enough because it's still round one is a bugaboo kind of thing. We can also do this historically and go, well, you know, without Bud Grant, does anybody talk about the Vikings? But you went even further back than that. They needed a first owner kind of thing. And then you could always go, well, who's the best player? Because that's the master of that team. But that changes era to era, sometimes season to season. So picking a master, we kind of went out of left field on some of these. Well, you almost have to because, truthfully, uh, there are so many people that are controlled by other people, right? Uh, and and so who falls out of who you know who's the unique who's the unicorn that falls out of that cycle, you know if it's a general manager you know the owner still gets to do stuff and the coach still has to coach your players right, right? so you it's have, what are you mastering really right you have to you have to be the one who steps out of the norm and really it's I think the most interesting one and let's see, let's get the player out of the way is the is the Timberwolves yeah I think that's the most player driven one yeah and you want to you want to go deeper but Kevin Garnett's is basically the only name that I think most of the nation thinks about when it comes to the Timberwolves. And currently, you could still say, you said it before the show today, Kevin Garnett could run this team if he wanted to. Tomorrow. That's yeah. one of the, I, I firmly believe it's one of the reasons uh, Glenn hasn't brought Kevin Garnett back in the organization. because if Well, that and they Garnett, can't stand each other. Well, but if Garnett comes back in the organization, whose organization is it? Right. 
I mean, it just that that's the definition of the master of the organization. And I do think as polarizing as Glenn Taylor has been, he deserves some credit as yes, well because the Minnesota Timberwolves, not that long ago, although for me, time just kind of loses its place, but it doesn't seem like it was that long ago where the Minnesota Timberwolves were supposed to be on their way to New Orleans. And Glenn Taylor at least kept them here. Now there's a chunk of the population that doesn't care that he kept them here, but there's a big chunk that does. Well, I think he's been a he's been a pretty good steward of that organization, of a not very good organization to be honest. But uh, I think Glenn Taylor is by far the master of it, and, and and Kevin Garnett, he is. I mean, he's Mount Rushmore, and it's it, right. He is the only statue on Mount Rushmore for the, for the Timberwolves. Yeah, absolutely, really, so that's, far. That's the fun and the difficulty of this topic because as we were going through it, as we came up with this, I thought. I really don't want this to be who's the best player because we right. could do that in 10 minutes and that's not really a topic. It's it's mastering their craft, but because some of the other executives really haven't for the Timberwolves in their history, Kevin Garnett and or Glenn Taylor get number one easy. Well, the question, the only other guy that comes Flip. into the conversation right. is Flip yep. Saunders. Yep. And so there was a period of time. But if you're going to go him. coaches, I know you'd go one more guy. Yeah, he's still the original coach I'd, as well. I'd throw Mussy in that conversation, but he's he's a, he's not in the top three. Right. When Flip was healthy, Flip kind of owned the city. Right. He's the guy that brought Garnett back. He was the guy that made Garnett in the beginning. He's the only guy that made that team relevant ever. Yes. Right. So that's. Well, let's not forget what Kevin Garnett did because high school to the NBA wasn't really a thing until Kevin Garnett did it. Yep. And it just brought a different demographic of fans, really. It was not to say that high school kids aren't NBA fans because that's completely wrong. They obviously are. But they looked at it different. Right. When somebody who's 18 is playing a professional game when they're playing their senior year in the section playoffs. Yeah, right? it's 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 seeing one of us. I mean, imagine if that – I mean, imagine the high school kids that do that in hockey. You know, Housley did that. And how many people then thought, you know what, maybe, they can, maybe I can do that too. But uh, how lucky was Kevin Garnett to come to Minnesota where – the fan base is a little bit more understanding and very, a little bit more supportive. I mean, right. can you imagine coming out of high school and going to the New York Knicks? I mean, or the LA Lakers, like what Kobe did? Like that's, you want to talk pressure, you know? Right. Yeah. But you could also flip that and say, how fortunate was Minnesota to have Kevin Garnett come here? Because the high school phenom, wherever he went, was going to get attention. We took him. Suddenly, at least people had to know that the Minnesota Timberwolves existed. So maybe there is a fifth person or fourth person here, Brian, because the other guy who made is Kevin, it Kevin Garnett, McHale for drafting him. No, it's Kevin Harlan for making him a big deal. Well, that too, because he may. I mean, Garnett was Garnett was excellent. Right. But really, most of us saw Kevin Garnett through Kevin Harlan's eyes. No doubt. Right. So he made him a bigger than life uh, person. Well, and we've always said if you want to be a big deal for the Timberwolves, you got a good shot if your name's Kevin because you could go <laughs> right. Garnett, you could go Harlan, you could go McHale, you could go Love. It just doesn't end. Don't they have a shooter, Kevin something or other, like a guard? Kevin Martin. Yeah, yeah. So, so the list hey, goes I on got and somebody, on. I, and I didn't yeah. use his last name that he, time. He wasn't Jonathan Taylor Thomas. If we're just going to continue <laughs> to make home improvement references throughout the day, right? He was the guy that looked over the. You know, maybe we should fence. bring up home improvement to Justin May. We'll talk to him a little bit later today as well about the uh, housing market, etc. But we'll keep the list moving. We started with the Timberwolves. Where do you want to go next? I would say the Vikes because the first guy that came out of my mouth for this topic was Viking related. Yeah, no, I think I think we can go with the Vikes. I think that, I mean, I'll let you go because your guy is the one that everybody's going to think first. Well, and I don't think it is because I think people are going to think about Bud Grant. People are going to think about Justin Jefferson. People are going to think about Randy Moss. When we came up with this topic, I went way off the beaten path right away. I said it's Rob Brzezinski because this team is in... Salary cap purgatory year after year after year after year, yet they're still acquiring guys year after year after year after year. And I don't know if it's an abacus or a 
really fancy Texas Instruments calculator or what the deal is, but Rob Brzezinski continues to get enough done to have them never be bad. Granted, we're all pining for them to be great, but they haven't bad they haven't been bad since the end of Leslie Frazier. Right. If you think about if you think about a business, like he's an exceptional CFO, right? Right. He's he's the CFO that keeps the company afloat at times. Right. Um but but I have to go back and talk about two. Yeah, yours one is yours really opened my eyes. Yeah, one is Bud, because because yeah, you're right. Obviously. He's, he's as as Steve talked about Garnett, like he is he might be the one guy on the hill, right? Is he the master or is he the architect of the yes. franchise? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I mean his 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 mentality that that I mean, even at ninety years old, walking out onto the field, you know, negative temperatures without a t shirt on, like that was that was Minnesota Vikings football. If he's not the standard, then you know this topic doesn't make sense. Well, <laughs> or think of it this way. Let's go back to the idea of master of the ship. Is he the captain or is he the person that puts the ship together and do all? I mean, he's yes. not the guy that put the ship together. That's, well, kind of, though, he is, though. He, I mean, but that's the argument here. That's just the fun part of it. He, well, that's that's master versus, say, puppet master. Who put it together and then who executed who it, it together? Yep. And usually puppet master is a negative term. It doesn't always have to be. Nope. In this case, you know, Bud pulled every string he had to pull. Right. So that, I mean, and, and that honestly was my first thought was Bud. But let's take it a step back further. Uh, and let's talk about the person who brought them here and then led the group of 10 for all those years. And that's Max Winter. Sure. You know, he's the guy that put the original uh, original team together. And maybe you talk Mike Lynn, because during that time where he had to see, do it's dancing, funny to me that you brought him up because I was going to just quip. I'll tell you who it's not. It's not Mike Lynn, except that he was the guy that kept I know that unless we start talking together. about Dallas. I mean, right. Yeah, I was going to say he left a legacy. He just didn't leave it in Minnesota. I'm going to add one guy. And it's somebody that while we were talking, I was thinking about because he kind of made Bud. And he kind of kept Max Winter relevant. And that's Sid Hartman. What about Sid Hartman as the guy that kept, I mean, you can say that maybe about every sport in the cities over that time I would that say that frame. more about the Timberwolves than I would say that about the Vikings. See, I'd say that more about the Twins. But the, I mean, he kept all the, he, I, back when we couldn't see these guys. And right. we had to learn about them other ways. Sid was kind of the guy who explained who these people I was were say, and all the positives. I and- wouldn't put Sid with any of the teams. I would put Sid as the master of Minnesota media. Yeah. If you wanted to know, I mean, he used to have his column where if you wanted to know anything about anything, mm-hmm. you know, who's the latest and greatest in this pro team, this pro team, this pro team, this pro team, but then it would keep going. College, the best prep players. Sid had it somehow. Uh, I, everybody who's listening, well, not everybody, but there's a multitude of people who are listening that either they or their dad, before they started Sunday morning breakfast, Sid was the first thing they did. I actually fit into both those categories because mm-hmm. my grandfather and my father would know Sid's jottings or Sid's you know radio show back with Sid and Dave, what have you. But it didn't mean you had to like them, which that's what makes the world go around. <laughs> They got information from him, but my grandfather, the only thing I knew about Sid Hartman until I got to know him myself was my grandfather would just say, oh, Sid's a windbag, you know? So it is what it is. Well, and, you know, Sid was such a proponent of the basketball community and was so anti-hockey community. Yeah. <laughs> that, I know, Steve's over here seething. Yeah, I mean, you got to respect Sid's career, but, I mean, he he, well, then he your, sold, your sold Sid would be basketball more than, hey, oh, yeah, no doubt. But Sid sold bass. But Lou was a general manager of, of a right. of a NHL franchise. I'm trying to segue because we can go and, there next. But Sid was with the Lakers, right? Like, yeah. wasn't he part of the yeah. original ownership, ownership yep. group, yep. right? So, yeah, maybe I guess. So Sid Hartman for Steve is like Sid in the Toy Story movie, like the kid next door that's putting animals together and blowing them up. There you go. 
a reference. Oh, that, I don't think he's that evil. But I think more than like the master of the media, he was more like the Don of the media. Oh, you yeah. Know he's, you know, he's, he's the godfather. Right. Yeah, yeah. I think it was. I think you, right. you fell in line with Sid. Otherwise, your career here was probably not going to be yep. sustaining. So I mentioned Lou because hockey's a little more difficult because we do have the North Stars in the wild to talk about. And there's different answers for each. And there's different ways to go with this because, you know, Lou would be in the mix. Bob Gainey would maybe be in the mix. I'm not sure with the North Stars. I mean, there's there's so many players because that goes way back. But then we have to remember it ended a long time ago, too. Yeah. And that's the thing. You're right. We have to remember that further and further and further away. Yeah. It's not long ago to us, but it really it is. Just because the 90s feel like yesterday to us, they weren't. Yeah. No, but honestly... And we can go in any direction, like you said. I do think the the master of the ship, and it is a, the Don kind of point of view again, is Louis. Because people listen to Louis about his opinion on this and that and the other. He was a proponent of the Stars. He was a general manager for the North Stars. Now, before we go any like further, guy for the Wild. I want our listeners to stop cringing. We are not discussing his state hockey tournament coverage. No, at all. But you know what? In a way... Recent coverage is, you know, but he's 83 now. I mean, when five he's, years ago, he was still that guy. on. He's still TV. plenty good at it. The thing is, everybody north of Hinkley is just pre-programmed not to appreciate his state tournament coverage. I love Lou Nanny's state tournament coverage. I love Lou Nanny. I think that uh, he is Minnesota hockey. I think he's, you know, the living embodiment of it. So so where I, else do you go for the North Stars? Or do you just move to the wild after that? It's Lou and, and you kind of stop discussing it. Probably the guns. I mean, they don't move, yeah. that, move them here. Then they're not. They're numbers. also the ones that connected the Cleveland Barons and made the North Stars relevant there for a while. Yeah. Um, but it it could be somebody as simple as Neil Broughton. That's or, or the next Cicerelli. one I thought of. Yeah, I mean, we had John Casey. There's, but then yeah, are you, but that's, but then that's are you really, I think. But then are you really going to the best known versus the master? Because you could throw Mike Madonna in well, that. I just sentence. think because you got but a lot of Minnesota played another five years. Yes. Yeah. You got a lot of Minnesota flavor in with the North Stars, so there was a that's also builds that home team. You know, yeah, they're one of us. Pride, you know, because there's a lot of kids that grew up playing in the state tournament or for the Gophers or UMD or yep. that that ended up playing for the North Stars. So right, and then that, if was, you go- that was the benefit of Lou Nanny, by the way, was that he was willing to take college players because he played right, college in a time when when people didn't right when it was really looked down on. College players were, you know, non-existent in the enough, National right. Hockey League. They were, you know, the, they were second fiddle players. And Lou Nanny, he bucked that system early. So Right. And then if you go to the Minnesota Wild, I still think currently Billy G always has them going in the right direction, but that direction never goes far enough. It's Is round one going to be a problem again? We'll talk about that later. As you work backwards, you know, Jacques Lemaire has got to get mentioned, right? I mean, yes. not many expansion teams are lucky enough to have their original coach be of that legendary stature. And there are people that still do Jacques impressions when discussing the wild. Yeah, I think it's I think it's Jacques. And you made such a great point a month ago when you said every coach for the North or the Wild has a has winning a winning record. record. Um, and and just that, even torch, just that piece uh, along with the franchise start, the all the personality things that that he brought. I think it is, I think it is him. Like I think he's the guy who is kind of the master of the program. Does Craig Leopold get any credit at all? Because if you look at sure. the Big Four ownership. In Minnesota, we hear plenty about the Wolves. We hear plenty, not so good, about the Twins. We'll get there. We hear plenty about Glenn Taylor because without him, we don't have basketball. And then with the Wild, we talk about the sport because it's a state of hockey. We talk about the players because we love it. We don't talk about the brass other than Billy G very often. Why? I think people feel like you're lucky enough to own a 
hockey franchise in the state of Minnesota, that's good enough for you. Right. I think <laughs> but, sooner but I guess I'm surprised. That, um, but I'm surprised that he's not under a magnifying glass because of the sport and because of where it is. But he he's it, it's not like he pulls punches on his he he's, he'll spend any resource he wants. I mean, right. that's that's the difference between the ownership groups is but, the but resources. What I'm saying is the Wilfs do that too. We've talked right. about it. We and don't the Wilfs, criticize the Wilfs though. No, I, that's not what I'm saying. He's not even talked about. Like the Wilfs get praised so, because they spend. Glenn Taylor gets polarized. The poll ads get reamed. Craig Leopold is just there. Can I? Can I? We're gonna have Jordan this? Leopold on later, and some people think that Craig's just a relative. It's not. Um. So here's a thought: the um, the Wild came in and replaced something that was pulled away from us, right? R- ripped away from us. So is it a free so pass? Do the, do the Wild get crystal glassed a little bit because we've broken it before? And now we don't want to do anything to upset the whole ship. So, and it's still the state of hockey, right? But the reason that he gets a pass is because he's running this thing we've lost before. And you can't make that argument with basketball because it was thirty plus years later, right? Where the North Stars Wild Gap was under a decade. Yeah. No, I I think that's part of it. So, what about is is there a player that you even include in this? Because I cringed when I thought it was going to be a discussion of players because. We do that often enough. Yeah. And we've worked them in because you can't turn a blind eye to some of these players we mentioned. I'm not sure the Wild have that. Yeah, it's only really one we guy. We have this he discussion in 10 years, they might. He he wasn't, he, I mean, he didn't like the limelight. So, I mean, it's only one guy who you could say that and, and no. I don't know if there's an individual, but I think there's a position that you can that you can credit the Wild's success to over the years. Of they have always done a good job of filling their net with a good goaltender. You know, they've... That's they've, true. They've, they've There's quite a laundry list, but they've st- all been pretty solid. Yeah, I mean, they've been. I mean, you're not always going to have the Vesna winner in there. I was but just I mean, say, they've had they've had good name, goaltending. Name the worst goalie in Wild history, and you look at the numbers and go, he still wasn't that bad. Yeah, but here's so here's the question then, though. The I was, I thought the whole time you were talking, you were going to talk about their defensive core. So is one the result of the other? Because their structure's always been fantastic. No, because they were. I mean, Rolison and Manny Fernandez. I mean, the decor in front of them wasn't that great. I was gonna say when yeah. when Martin Skula was in your top four, okay, but, it wasn't a very there, good team. But there's your example when what's his name, the tall guy that we booed out of town, Dubnik. Yeah, when he was here, they he were was, dubbing. They were booing. He, he wasn't all that great, but the defensemen in front of him were absolute studs. But Dubnik had when Dubnik was here for his first three years, he had we we. Caught the lightning in a in a, in a bottle yeah. with Dubnik. I mean, he was good while he was here. Again, he's not. You know, you're not going to get the Vesna winner, but if you get the best out of a guy's career while they're here, I mean, that's have, the most you can we hope had for. The same goalie coach. I mean, isn't the goalie? No, coach? Mason. Mason okay, was that's been who done I thought. for a while. Oh, okay. All right. All right. So let's go to the Twins because they are the most unique franchise to me in Minnesota, and not just because Steve got to watch me watch them at the home opener yesterday, and he knows that anything good they do, I'll give him a hug. He's probably making fun of me, thinking I was at. Catholic masses. We both grew up Catholic for the number of times during pregame that I stood up and sat back down and stood up and sat back down. But the Twins have a championship, have two of them, which we cannot say about the other men's teams in this state. But the Twins get put on blast more often than anyone as well because it doesn't appear that in a sport where you're allowed to, that they'll spend enough to try to put a winner together. But again, they've structured a championship team before, structured playoff teams, not winning after that, but putting decent teams together. But when they're not good, they're really bad. They're very rarely in the middle. The master is who? Uh, that's a that's a really great question. Because we've talked about had, owners, and if we say Carl Polad, we're going to lose our listenership right the, now. The Twins have had, though, this rhythm of, you know, that you bring in a new GM and they do real well for a while and then they tail off. And you bring in the next guy and he does real well for a while and then they tail off. Like the, the guys we had right now, 
you know, we were so bad when the guys came in that we've been pretty good for a while, and now we're worried they're starting to tail off because they haven't developed any pitching, right? And so for the for the general manager side, the office side, I'm not sure there's any of those guys. Maybe McPhail. McPhail. That would be my first McPhail one. That was the mine. first guy I said. It's Andy McPhail because that was before spending in baseball took off to new heights. Because the twins, well, believe it or not, when he they did spend though, he's he, he was made Kirby Puckett the highest played, and that's exactly what I was just going to say. This is proof that he and I spend almost as much time together as you and I do. Because <laughs> I was going to say before spending took off in baseball, the twins were actually one of the pioneers because giving Kirby three million a year was a ton when they did. But then you have to go back further when the twins won longer, uh, had a better stretch, and and whoever the GM was in the sixties, right? Because they had all kinds of highest played. I mean. Killebrew was the highest paid guy for a while. They had they brought in managers that were high end. I mean, so McPhail did real well, but again, he also failed at the well, end. Well, and you mentioned managers. And it was a Tom Kelly then. Right. I was going to say you mentioned managers. Tom Kelly should be the first one mentioned because he's got the two World Series championships. But Sam Mealy. He's not Mealy, a record, though, Sam Mealy was probably a better manager. Guardy has a better record. I don't think anybody's going to say Guardy was a better manager. He was gifted better rosters. Yep. So it's just interesting, you know. Rocco, people love to put him on blast for anything. If he has a good season this year, that is what? Six seasons in, five, six, and granted there's a COVID-shortened group in there, but he's going to end up with a better winning percentage than most of them yeah. and not viewed that way. Right, and if and there's a very real chance that somebody comes and tries to pick him, right? Because right. he's not really quote-unquote one of us and would probably be willing to go. But the, tw- the Twins are really hard. But my, my thing with the managers, though, nowadays, like, it's all based on numbers. It's not it, – there's yeah. not a lot yeah. of gut feeling. Are they masters or are they – 100% what, what agree. What, what this, yeah, so to, I, I take the managers off the table nowadays altogether. Yeah. I mean, you take the, the spreadsheet. That, right, that's so that's, that's your master. That's what I said earlier. Puppet master is usually a negative thing. In baseball, are they truly puppet masters and not managing anything anymore? Right. So so make the call. We've got you play the, the music. What's the TBS report? To say that? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm playing the music because X-tip. we're up against it. we got to get to Dave Hoops. But I wanted to play Alma Right because this whole topic stemmed off golf. And you know this show doesn't talk much about golf. So if anybody's wondering, we are all right. We'll be right back. Brian Prudhomme, Dave Cook, Steve Petosha. We are the Northland Sports Page. Stick around. Yeah, it is. It's the final countdown. That, of course, is by Europe. And Dave Hoops before has joined us from many locations here on the Northland Sports page. Brian Prudhomme, Dave Cook, Steve Petosha, Dave Hoops is right around the corner, but not geographically speaking. We bumped in with a little something from Europe because we probably should have started with where in the world is Dave Hoops like Carmen San Diego because yeah. Dave is well-traveled, but no better than today. He, I believe, is in Paris and still making time for us. Well, you and I were talking earlier and about during the state tournament. We had people from all over the, you know, all over the world, Burma and New Guinea and wherever. But Indonesia um, that's listeners, what it was. yeah. Um, and the uh, now we've gone the other direction, and now we have somebody in Europe, not just listening but taking part. Absolutely. So let's bring him right in. One of our illustrious sponsors is Dave Hoops from Hoops Brewing, but he's not at Hoops Brewing today. Tell everybody where you are if you don't mind. And good morning here, but I believe good evening there, right, Dave Hoops? Exactly. Uh, good morning, guys. Uh, Steve, nice to hear you. And nice, um, it's really, oh, yeah, it's so cool. You know, my daughter Daisy goes to college here, and I've been trying to get here um, for the last few months, and she just moved into a new apartment. So I jumped on a plane and spent the last few days feeding her and getting gear for her and, um, and stuff like that. And it's, um, it's great to be able to be so connected wherever you are. And the show's been great, and weather's nice here. Got no complaints. It's a beautiful city. And you are right in Paris, is that correct? 
Uh, yeah, right in the sixth. Uh, like, basically, I'm like, I don't know. Um, I'm a quarter mile from Notre Dame where I start my run every day along the river. And they're working hard on it because it burned. As you guys know, there's major construction. And, yeah, right central Paris amongst another 3 million people wandering around here. Yeah. So I want to give you some credit, go back to last week before we talk further this week. But last week, you were the one that mentioned the arena football possibility for Duluth on the show. And as you know, it became a reality this week. We're actually going to hear from wide receiver standout Tim Brown, now turned league commissioner. He'll be with us in about a half an hour. That's going to be exciting times for Duluth, correct? Yeah, I'm really into it. Obviously, I was a big fan of this guy, and he was kind enough. They he, he hung out. They were staying in the hotel. He hung out at the brewery, signed a football for me, took pictures with everybody. Super, super nice guy from what I've been told. And um, everybody's working on names, and we're going to sponsor the league, of course. It's, it's sports. So I think it's an exciting time for Duluth. I think so, too, and we have already tried to put a bug in their ear about, hey, you're going to need a play-by-play team, and there are three of us sitting in this studio that – would certainly hope to be part of that. We'll see what happens, but I'm excited for Duluth to get this back. Of course, they had the Lumberjacks years ago. I think I was in college when that was a thing here in Duluth, so hopefully this goes well. One more thing to do here in Duluth in the summer. Hopefully summer weather will be here by the time you get back. The forecast does look better for Duluth, but I got to ask, so you're in Paris, and this weekend is Masters weekend. It's Frozen Four. It's NHL, NBA, you know, final stretches. Have you noticed or even taken the time to try to find out what do the people out there care about right now? I mean, golf is global, so there's probably some attention being paid. But are they big on American sports or no? Uh, Not at all. Not even a little. But the great thing is there's this thing called VPNs and there's this thing called the Internet. So I've been able to watch as much Masters as as I want, as well as Twins games and things like that. Um, The bars are have to have golf on for sure but they don't care otherwise so much. But um, it's interesting, though, because there is a lot of interest in the Masters um, amongst the various places that I've gone. And it's the hours are so weird. It's seven hours ahead here. It's coming up on 6 p.m. Um, and the Masters itself has been great so far. I, I have to admit something that it might bother you guys, but, you know, I'm doing great in my pool, of course. And then um, I always pick – Justin Rose because he's my favorite golfer. I get a hard time there, but I, I pick no live golfers, which makes me into an old curmudgeon who's just not a cool guy, but won't do it. So I got no love there for Kepka, and I, I frankly hope he doesn't win, but that's a mean thing to say. Now, that makes you old school. You're also the old school guy who picked UConn at the start of the NCAA men's tournament. That worked out pretty well for you in that pool. So no complaints here whatsoever. Now, I got to ask a brewmaster like yourself, the sports brewer Dave Hoops, you're in Paris. Beer is global as well. You've talked about the atmosphere in bars, what have you. What kind of beer are you sampling, and are you taking ideas, or are you comparing, going, well, I'm already better than that. What are we doing on the beer scene for you? Oh, that's a great question. No, the, the Europeans make the, the best lager beers in the world. The Germans mean number one, of course. But there's a whole lineup of just wonderful continental uh, loggers that are not like American loggers like Bud Coors Miller, um, which are fine. But these beers are much deeper, uh, uh, steep in tradition, flavor, and um, it, they're just really, really good at the source. Um, and so what I've been finding is it's just fun. As long as I don't speak, uh, I could live here. I walk, walk around a lot every day, um, you know, when Daisy's busy, and I just observe and it's an amazing town to watch people, and, and you know what they're saying 
because all conversations are universal, but you just can't understand the language. It's, it's actually really cool. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. It does sound like a fun cultural experience. Dave Cook's questions for you are always a bit of a cultural experience. I'll pass the torch to him right now. Well, and I think that's where the first one's going to go to. We were talking about my grandmother the other day and how she picked on Dana because every time she'd take her to a new restaurant, it was hamburger, only hamburger. So, guys, when you're going to a new restaurant, what's your go-to? And, Dave, you're, you're in the capital of food, so... When you head into a new restaurant there, what's your go-to? What do you order to be safe for? What do you order? Are you challenge things, or, or what's your deal? Um, thank you. It's a great question. Obviously, the, <laughs> the they're widely considered the world's premier uh, chefs. Um, I start with seafood. Um, as I've been eating a lot of that in my own diet, but it's fresh here. And uh, they do an amazing job. And after that, uh, I've been trying like uh, various salads and a little bit of meat. And surprisingly, uh, there's Mexican food here, which is my very favorite, uh, which, of course, comes from, you know, countries over here like Spain and stuff like that. And they're very good at it. But you guys, there's Canadian bars, there's there's Irish bars, there's Scottish bars and restaurants that every culture is represented here. Anything you want tonight, we're eating Thai food, Daisy and I later on. So I'm excited about that. I think for me, it's a good old fashioned steak. I, uh, yeah. That's that's where I'm going. Other th- otherwise, it, you know, if I'm just if it's a like a, you know I'm going to a pub or something like that. If they have a Cuban sandwich, that's I judge all sandwiches based on their on a place's Cuban sandwich. That's awesome. Yeah, I think I I'm. That. I think I'm kind of in Steve's camp. I do love a good Cuban, but if it's especially if it's going to be known for steak, you know, depending on what a new restaurant sells itself on, yeah. I'm going to be the steak guy or a French dip guy. Got to relate that to the guy in Paris as well. French dip is one of the greatest sandwiches for me. Otherwise, I'm like Dave. If there's a seafood option, I'm gonna give it. A, I'm gonna give it a whirl. Long story short, I like to eat, and it shows. Yeah, just just keep Brian away from the tomatoes. Yes, my uh, yeah, and my eating thing is so weird. I was gonna say, how do you do it? Yeah, I actually have to research them ahead. You have of to time do a lot and, of scouting. And, and yeah, take take a swing, and you know, ask questions like, "Is your grill clean?" Because then I'll do a steak, right? Or I'll do I'll do butterfly chicken breast, right? And and cross my fingers. I will tell you this: I will not do uh, breaded walleye down in Minneapolis again anytime soon. But that's a different story altogether. Go ahead. All right. So in the past, gentlemen, we have talked about. Halloween candy, right? And which one is which and which one is the best? We have a different kind of candy holiday tomorrow. Easter, yeah. So let's talk about Peeps. Easter candy. What's the what's the Easter candy go-to for you guys? And I have to say Dave Hoops, well, you get to go uh, first on that one. Uh, it's always going to be the Peeps. Um, and I like the various colors that we got to have when we were younger. Um secondary, the jelly bean options are now so vast. I mean, you can have Coca-Cola jelly beans if you want, you know, just for example. But um, I'm a Peeps guy, not so much a, a, an egg guy as much, although when we were little, searching was a lot of fun. But I did an article a few years ago about Easter candy paired with beer. If you look it up on the DNT, you'll get a, a chuckle out of that probably. I would because that's not a combination I'd be familiar with. What about uh, your candy of choice, Steve? I'm a Reese's guy. I think it's uh, there's so many different options of them now too that uh, I have to argue it. I, yeah. I go I go the Reese's route. Well, there's two reasons that I won't go the Reese's route. First of all, it's because I think I said that for Halloween, and second of all, everything Steve said it doesn't make for good radio if I just go uh huh <laughs> because that's that's basically how I feel as well. But I am a jelly beans guy. I I do like those a lot. I like the pinks and the purples probably most of all. Every color of jelly bean to me is fairly good, except for. 
I think the blacks are black licorice. I've never been a fan of that. But otherwise, jelly beans, I'm good. I see. I am contractually obligated to say peeps. And you almost couldn't say it. Yeah. Well, imagine today. Um, the uh, <laughs> the uh, um, the the one though that that we've done in the past that I'm not sure I can even eat anymore is the uh, Cadbury egg. The Cadbury egg is is a tough one. So that yeah. is a tough one. Those commercials are probably the most memorable though. All right. Final question. Ready? All right. Eric Tanek got dinged up the other day, uh, and people haven't been saying, "Oh no, their best player is gone." They're saying, oh, no, their most important player is gone. Yeah. So let's look at that with the rest of the uh, rest of the Minnesota teams. Who is not the most not not the best player, not the most talented player, but who's the most important players uh, here in, in Minnesota right now? Who are the ones they can't afford to lose? So do you want three more? Because sure. we gave it to Eric Sinek. You want one for each team? Yeah. Wow. OK, Dave Hoops, you get the uh, distinguished honor of going first on that one. Most important. <sighs> well, you know, I've been in. I've been watching the Wolves uh, against my better judgment, um, hoping, you know, hoping that they can get through this mess that they created. But I think Towns is uh, a really important player who, frankly, needs to deliver a little bit better um, and could carry us to the promised land, uh, although I'm, I'm a little bit out on his behavior and attitude. But that's my pick. All right, so he picked one. We can do that then. Steve, if you want to go with one on any of the teams, go yep. for it. Oh, sure. Um, I'm oh, gonna... sorry. No, oh, you're okay. good, Dave. You're good. That, that actually helps us in terms of time. Go ahead. Um, as far, uh, who so do we got left? Twins we or Vikes? The, the Vikes. Um, well, I think for the Vikings, it's probably Harrison Smith, uh, just uh, because that defense is in flux, and to have that leadership back there, I think he is someone that they one. can't afford to lose. So I'm going to go Timberwolves also, and I'm going to go off the beaten path a little bit because I think it's Jaden. I think in the NBA playoffs, even though this sport is known for, well, they don't play defense anyway, that's probably true. But the ones that advance tend to be the ones that at least play a little bit of it. The shutdown defender is Jaden McDaniels for the Timberwolves. Yes, Ant is their best scorer. Carl Anthony Towns is probably still the franchise player. Conley's the wily old vet. Gobert is the rim protector. I have a problem if Jaden's not able to play because there's going to be more star power on other teams than ours, and he's going to be asked to shut said star down. Yeah, no, I, I can see that, Brian, but I was going with Conley. That was that was the question. Right now, I think Conley might be the guy they can afford to lose least. But what about Christian Derrissaw? That was going to be my question yeah, with the Vikings. that's a great one. Is there, if they lose Derrissaw, is there, is there a wheel? Although, don't we already lose? know because we went through that last year and, he was, and Brandle had to fill in? And as he gets older, he gets better, and I just think he might be the guy. Is, is he more important than O'Neal? I mean, O'Neal yes, has been... Yes, left versus right, I... I, I think so. Otherwise, O'Neal would have been their left tackle. All right. Is that it for the uh, is, Dave Cook questions? That is, that's it. All right. Last one for Dave Hoops. I know you're not at the brewery right now. Obviously, you're quite a ways from it. But what's good reason? There's always good reason. I know next weekend I'll be there for the cribbage tournament. But what's the good reason to be at Hoops this weekend? Well, first, I wanted to also just really quick say, you know, kudos on yesterday. I'm glad you could go down there. I was following your social media. They won. Uh, you know, it's going to be a good year. So I hope so. It's been, it's been a good seven games at least. If if they go five and two every seven games, we're going to have a fun summer, no doubt. Uh, well, thanks for asking. It's been a good week. Uh, we managed to get um, uh, speed dating. And, you know, they did cancel my flight, of course, out of Duluth with the epic snowstorm you guys had, which not so epic. But um, and it, we managed to have a nice, busy week of events and everything else. Today we're having the uh, the Maker's Market 
Um, they're selling goods and services down there. Uh, in the meantime, we've got a bunch of IPAs, and we have our brand-new UK pale, which is fitting because it's a continent uh, pale ale, like a little bit uh, amberish pale ale. Um, and uh, I mentioned the other day pineapple chili. That's back on yep. tap, a rarity. And then, of course, the other thing I wanted to bring up is that we're considering making more rink rat. And we've gotten a lot of people whining about the fact that it's a limited time frame due to the hockey season. Well, right. <laughs> hockey season going to run until, you know, late June-ish, right? So we're, we're rethinking uh, bringing that back for a more of a full-time gig. You think you agree? I do. Always a good thought. I was going to say, did Bob Nygaard get a hold of you? Because I was out with him a couple weekends ago. Actually, it was last weekend for the UMD Bulldog National Championship game. I was out with Bob, and he tried to order it three different times. We had to keep reminding him that it wasn't there anymore. And as you know, I've made Mondays with Trivia kind of a staple in my life. We got second last week, so it's been fun. It's always fun talking to you. Get home safe. Let's do it again next Saturday. Thanks, Dave. Yeah. Oh, it's really fun. You guys have a great day. Thank you. Safe travels, Dave. Good to hear you. All right. That's our guy, Dave Hoops. Up next... A Dave Cook guest. We love him anyway, but this is mainly for Dave Cook. There is a Minnesota hockey team playing for a title today. Jordan Leopold is next. Stick around. We'll be right back. It sure does because our next guest was our very first guest five plus years ago in the history of the Northland Sports Page. We've had him back several times. We have him back today. He too is joining us from way away from Minnesota. He's in Tampa enjoying some beautiful weather and some beautiful hockey from his alma mater. We'll have Jordan Leopold of the Golden Gophers and Minnesota Wild lore shortly. But again, we can't have any guests or any fun without our great sponsors. Absolutely. Let's start with Aurora Architecture Studio. Like the, I mean, feels like the first time it's our first guest. Let's talk about our first sponsor. Absolutely. Right? Aurora Architecture Studio, Hoops Brewing. We just heard from Dave from Paris. OAR Holdings, Sammy's Pizza, Advantage Emblem and Screen Printing, Justin May at Messina and Associates, Avenue Forty Five, The Blackwoods Group, Mount Royal Bottle Shop, Kohler Toyota and Kohler Hyundai, Stewart's Bike Sports and Trophies, The Incline Station. Famous Dave's and the Construct Tomorrow event on the 26th of April, uh, where if you want to learn learn a little bit about career in the construction field, actually want to start one, you can head on down on the 26th at 4 p.m., uh, talk to contractors, talk to uh, folks in the trades, and get that career started. And again, that'll be at the deck, so April 26th, that's the magical date for that one. Free parking. November 4th of 2017 was the magical date that Jordan Leopold debuted with us. We bring him back again today. Jordan in sunny Tampa, Florida. Golden goal for big day against Quinnipiac. Good morning, and thank you for joining us. I started pestering you yesterday morning. I'm glad it came together so quickly. Oh, no problem. I've been doing nothing but interviews since I've been down here, but it's been absolutely great. You know what? The sun's out. It's about 90 degrees, and I've been at the pool for the last couple hours, and it's time to go take a nap. Nice. Well, we won't keep you too terribly long, but I want to ask you this, because this Golden Gopher team is very, very good, and yes, that's a Bulldog fan saying that. We talked about that earlier yesterday evening as well. But a buddy of mine, Nick Angel, who went to Duluth East with me and also played for the Gophers, he had been asked before, how would the teams that he was on stack up against one as talented as this? And he basically said, we'd get our bleeps kicked. You played, obviously, on a great team. When you look at this Gopher team from top to bottom, how do they match up in the uh, all-time ranks, if you will? Uh, They're top five, I would say. You know, you look at uh, the the age. The age is a difference. You know, a lot of their better players are younger. And, yeah, leadership with the the older guys is great. Uh, But most of the the young guys are carrying the weight. And, you know, the game has changed so much in the last 20, 21 years that they're so skilled. They are so skilled. The game is so fast. 
Um, I don't think we could keep up, really. I, we, we'd like to say we could, but it, it has changed that much. Uh, you're seeing guys come out of L.A., Phoenix, uh, you know, even this area in Florida. It's, I mean, it's absolutely crazy. The American hockey player and even the Canadians have figured out, come to college hockey because it's one of the best uh, opportunities you can get to maybe uh, being a stepping stone in the NHL. Uh, Jordan, Steve Petoshi here. Uh, what do you think? Uh, my, the big question, you know, for, for me with uh, this Gopher team is the future of Brock Faber. What do you see um, that he's done here at the U that's going to um, translate to his game in the NHL? Well, you, you look at Brock, and he's, uh, he's been All-American the last two years. And, and Brock, to a lot of people, they go, well, Brock doesn't put up a lot of points. Well, that's not Brock's game. Brock's game is is defense first. Um, he's he's a leader number number one, which is huge for our program. He's he's been the Olympic captain. He guy plays one heck of a brand of hockey in in a weird era where everything is offense, offense, offense. But he's so stable. He skates so well that his first touch breakouts, all this and that, are top notch. And he should be able to just slide into. Uh, hopefully the Wilds lineup come next year. But I, I know there's only one thing he's thinking about today, and that's uh, that's to win a hockey game. And you, know, you look at the Gophers right now, UMD, you guys up there, and you guys have had a really good run the past you know decade or so. And you know, it, the Gophers, we always try to keep up with that, and, and times change, and things change, coaches change, whatever it may be. Uh, but right now, this team seems destined to win a, a championship. Uh, Leo, this is uh, this is the lone gopher fan in this in this uh, radio show for sure. Um, <laughs> so I have a quick, a couple of quick questions for you. Um, you know, we've seen a lot of coaches uh, have you know their certain style of player uh, and that they win with. Motsko seems to be winning with, like you said, very talented hockey players. Uh, tell us a little bit about coach. What should we know about make what makes him different? Well, I think coach is going to let these guys play. That's number one. These guys are so talented. It's not uh, It's not a matter of X's and O's like it used to be, where it was dump the puck, get it in, grind a team down. And you look at the way they play, They and this goes for every team, they play three lines. They don't really play four lines. I mean, we our, our fourth line maybe got about five minutes 20-some years ago, and the fourth line's lucky to touch the ice right now. Uh, but when you have guys that are as electric as, as Cooley, Nice, Nogarud, and Brodzinski, Nelson, all these guys up, up front, uh, it gives the opportunity. They want more ice time. So, okay, we're going to give it to you and go out there and prove it. And, and they've done nothing of that. Um, so we just let them, let them go. And, they, and that's the best coaching philosophy there is. Let the guys do their thing, create confidence, and you know what? Hopefully they make you look good. Jordan, the the um, Big Ten finally now has has started to uh, you know settle in with their feet, you know, and and you know it looks like you know the future is is pretty bright. Do you feel like the NIL ability that the Big Ten schools have now is just going to take the top top off of uh, hockey prospects and um, kind of go away or run away from the rest of the, of the college hockey field? Well, it's kind of funny you bring that up because I'm just this morning, and you guys brought up a name for Duluth. I mean, Nick Angel, guy that I graduated with, I was actually sitting down at the pool with him the last two hours, and we were talking about this. And the NIL kind of creates an opportunity where, uh, and you see it in football. You're not going to see it in hockey right now. Uh, you may see it, but most of the fundraising, boosting, uh, the money goes through football. So if a guy's to get a scholarship at Clemson for 
you know, uh, a half scholarship, but then he gets an NIL deal for 150 grand. Um, that may sway him instead of a full scholarship somewhere else. So yeah, it does play a part. And then we have this portal too. So this portal is like free agency. It's crazy. You know, you get one one free transfer. So if you go to a big school like a Michigan or Minnesota, you're on the third fourth line, and you want an opportunity, you can drop out of there and go somewhere else. I mean, it's uh, it's crazy. It's kind of uh, free agency, mini pro sports in a way. Um, but it's uh, it's becoming the norm in the culture. And yes, the Big Ten is here to stay. Uh, do I miss old WCHA when we were all in it together? Absolutely, I do. Those were the glory days, if you ask me. But uh, the Big Ten is the best conference in hockey, and it's proven that uh, with with a few teams here this weekend. I think it certainly has. If you look at the teams that were left, let's say beginning of Thursday, you had Blue Blood in Minnesota, Blue Blood in BU, Blue Blood in Michigan. Quinnipiac is the opponent today. What do we need to know about what they bring? Because I believe it was late '90s that they even became a Division One factor. They've been in this tournament time and time again. They've never gotten it completely done. I'm certainly not going to call them a team of destiny because I think Minnesota looks like that, to be honest. But this Quinnipiac team that, you know, there's still some people that haven't heard of it and really struggle to pronounce it, but this is a good squad. Well, I'm I'm one of those guys. You know, I, I come in and uh, I think Quinnipiac just started when I was uh, when I was in college, and and it, I don't know much about them. I really don't. And, and it's funny. I went golfing yesterday, and I ran into a Quinnipiac alumni uh, about two hours away from Tampa. And you know, say hey, good luck tomorrow to you guys. Hey, good luck. Where are you from? You know, I ask him. He's like, I went to Quinnipiac. I was a golfer. Oh, you're not going to the game tomorrow? Really? You need to get yourself to the game. I go, I'll give you a ticket. You want to go to the game, I'll give you a ticket. You know, you should be there. <laughs> That's kind of, it, it's kind of the difference. You At know, least we, they didn't ask what game. That would have been problematic. At least they didn't say what game. Uh, yeah, so they, they're knowledgeable <laughs> of it, but they're such a small school compared to Minnesota where we have all these people. I mean, we have thousands of Gopher fans. All you see is maroon and gold down here. I mean, best two colors on earth, and you guys can agree to that. Um, it, it's it's wonderful. Um, we're going to outnumber them in the stadium, and it's going to be more like a home game. But, of course, they they may want to so-called slay the dragon. We'll see here. Uh, Leo, you talked about it earlier. You talked about that first line. You talked about some of the other players. Um, recently, you know, the the other day, Eric Sinek took a shot off the, off the ankle, and they're a little worried about how they can lose their most important player, maybe not their best player. So for the Gophers, maybe not their best player, but who's their most important player? Who's the one that people should watch uh, tonight and say, yeah, that's the guy? Well, Matthew Nyes is going to be, I think, your your number one guy. He's, he's been there for two years now. This is his second year, and he's, he's been unstoppable. He's a huge body. Um, when he puts his mind to it and puts his game together, I don't think anybody can really stop him. You just have to contain him. He's kind of like a Yarmor Yager of, of college hockey. And then you got Cooley, who has impressed all of us. We never know what to expect, uh, you know, with a, a freshman coming in. Snuggeroo with his with his shot, very awkward shot, but very effective. Um, and then the back end, the back end. I mean, O two, all they talk about is how good our defensemen were. But we we had some good forwards. We had a guy by the name of Jeff Tape. He scored thirty four goals his senior, or his uh, junior year, and then turned pro with the Phoenix. Uh, we had Johnny Pohl. He had twenty seven goals, I believe. And it's more than any of these guys that that uh, is on the roster right now. But the back end is going to carry carry the weight with the Lacombs, with the with the Favors, with Johnson, with Middlestead, with all these guys. I mean, there's so many draft picks, so many high quality players that for these guys to come back for 
another run at it from last year is is enough in itself to say that these guys are destined to do this because I think as a group they decided to come back and maybe finish some business. I think they did as well. Speaking of business, I want to talk a little bit about yours because summer's coming. Obviously, you know it in Tampa. We don't necessarily know it up here in Minnesota yet, although the week ahead looks like a very nice forecast. But Mississippi Gardens, that's a busy spot. It's a wedding spot of choice. Again, summer's coming. How is business for you? And, you know, we've got Graceland up here that we plug for weddings. You're kind of the spot down that way as well, correct? Well, surprisingly, we we do compete with those guys. Um, We've had quite a few. We've had a couple handfuls of Duluth weddings, and uh, it's been wonderful. COVID is... And anybody in the industry, being hospitality, restaurants, whatever it is, and anybody knows we got our butt kicked during uh, COVID. And, and we're just trying to recover out of that. It's uh, We're busy, but we're not slammed like we were prior COVID. So if anybody's interested and needs a spot getting married, please call us, Leopold's Mississippi Gardens. Just uh, Google Leopold's and it'll pop up. And uh, love to have anybody. We love people from Duluth. I actually spend a lot of time out there in the summer, and it's uh, it's fantastic. Uh, one last question for me, Leo. Um, big game tonight, obviously. Um, probably the question I get asked when I'm around is, what do we have to do tonight to avoid the upset? Who needs to step up and play a different kind of game? Well, it's uh, it's going to be a collective effort. I, the one thing I get concerned of, and I saw it uh, during BU, is even the former alumni I'm around. The first two periods, you know, it's still checkmate, checkmate hockey. Yeah, the golfers are carrying the weight, but they just can't seem to score the goal. And, and it will come down to composure. If, if the University of Minnesota can stay composed and know this is a marathon and not a sprint, um, they should be able to outlast their opponent. They should. They just have the muscle power to do it. But if, if penalties start becoming an issue, uh, guys end up getting frustrated, that gives your opponent an advantage. And it's just about that simply said, unflappable type of hockey and just go out there and be confident and do what you do. Jordan Leopold, we always appreciate when you join this show. I know you joined the very first one. For us, that will always be one of your claims to fame. I know after how that first episode of the show went, you're probably surprised that we're still going. (laughs) But when Dave Cook and you were talking, I let him say we. Good luck to the Gophers tonight. We're bumping you out with glory days. I hope they return to their glory days. And thank you for being available so quickly for us. Enjoy the game tonight. Hey, likewise. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Leo. Absolutely. That's our guy, Jordan Leopold. And that was kind of the first who would have thought with all the people that we've acquired as friends from this show. Jordan was kind of the first big name to come our direction. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I remember that first that first day like it was yesterday and the angst and all that. And then we looked at each other and said, can you believe we have Jordan Leopold? Well, I remember the angst because I remember, oh, my gosh, I think I just hung up on him. At least I've gotten a little better with pushing the right buttons. We'll push some buttons and connect with Tim Brown when we come back. Arena football comes to Duluth. We'll talk about it. We're the Northland Sports Page. Stick around. We'll be right back.